0: The opportunity that we have right now is to have an understanding of the importance in what we do in life collectively. So now we have allies within our communities, not only in business communities, but we're now talking about changing policy and procedures. When we come and see something and we want to see it succeed, we know by opening up that circle, that those people that are supposed to be sitting in that circle will come and sit down. They may just listen for a little while and they may just say, hey, you know what? I feel a little awkward sitting here and that's okay. We've been sitting like that for the last 150 years. We've been sitting and we've been watching and we've been paying very close attention to the people who we can trust. And when we trust them, we put tremendous value in their words but also their actions. You can talk about that scorecard all you want, but if you change the thought process and how you put that score down, then we see that. That's what golf can teach us. It teaches us about integrity. It teaches us when you do sit in that circle, you're responsible for the words that you share. So when we lift up that eagle feather, when we're sitting in our circle, that eagle feather lets us know your words that you're sharing are coming from your heart. And when you share those words, you're sharing them because that's what's on your heart. That's what you feel. And when you share that, we feel That too in the circle. They're starting to have the conversation. And it's a conversation and it's a good one. Welcome to
1: the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the influencers, disruptors, entrepreneurs, and innovators who are shaping the future of golf. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks so much for joining me. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the Mod Golf Podcast, please consider subscribing to the show so you hear all about our upcoming episodes and you can enter our latest golf product giveaway. I am joining you today from Vancouver, BC, Canada, which I acknowledge is on the unceded Coast Salish territories of the Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Musqueam First Nations. I thank them for having cared for these lands and waters since time out of mind, and look forward to working with them in partnership as we continue to build this great city together. Our guest today is PGA golf professional and inspired speaker, Steve Tushkenig, who is a member of the Walpole Island First Nation which sits across from Lake St. Clair from Windsor, Ontario, which is close to Detroit for all of our American listeners so they know where this is on Turtle Island. Steve turned pro at 22, but today focuses on public speaking and creating collaborative golf events for First Nations youth across Canada. He is currently working at organizing the America's Cup Junior event for First Nations youth, which would be held in 2023 at Incomique Canyon in British Columbia, Canada. In January, he partnered with the Canadian Junior Golf Association to introduce the game to more young Indigenous people across the country. So, with that, Steve, hey, thanks so much for joining me today and welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast.
0: That's a pleasure to be here, Colin.
1: I appreciate the opportunity. The pleasure is mine, Steve. A- absolutely. So, I read. In Score Golf, a golf publication here in Canada, there was an article written by Curtis Gillespie that featured you and two other First Nations golf professionals. And I found that article just really moved me. And I reached out to Curtis and he introduced me to you. And you were gracious enough to be willing to come on the Mod Golf podcast and share your story share your truth and just have a conversation that extends beyond golf. So to get us started here, I always like to ask this question as a bit of an icebreaker. Could you share with us how you got into golf? When was the first time you picked up a, a golf club in your life? And tell us about that experience.
0: Yeah, so it was a while ago, you know, I'm 45 now and I started around five years old, but my father was a, and is still seen as a chief. He's not a chief per se uh, when it comes to an acting chief, but he was the chief of the nation at the time. And he used to use uh, the golf course as a social event to reach out to different people or reach out to different chiefs, have a conversation for four hours and, and have some dialogue on what they were going to do in meetings and what they planned on. And their visions for the nation so i kind of tagged along and my father recognized that i was a left handed golfer so he said son i'll let you use my basically hand-me-downs and we'll see if you get used to playing the game of golf so i tagged along i enjoyed myself i started swinging swinging the golf club basically i was just just out with my dad and going inside the clubhouse eating fries and meeting with all his meetings and, and the people that were attending them so I just kind of took a liking to it. Just getting to practice, my dad would always come out and help me out. And, you know, I watched him play it. So after that, it was I guess it was just natural for me to go out there and just play golf. And I really enjoyed the time. And our whole entire family plays golf. My mother, my father, my sister is a golf pro. So, I mean, we were always playing golf and we were always out as a family. So I think the benefits of golf, if, if anything, is the social aspect with your family. that's something that we did quite a bit even from when I started when I was five years old my sister wasn't too far behind but it was always something that we've always were doing and and playing and talking at the dinner table about the golf shot we made or there was something that would spark conversation and I think in today's world when you have communication uh, with your family that's a good thing they're not always looking at their phones or they're not always not communicating with people communication is really about being there for your family so I think the golf today is is really about true communication and spending time with your family and that's what we did all the time so I'm still very blessed and very fortunate to play the game of golf and my parents still play and my sister still plays and now I have a family and they all play so I think it's pretty awesome that golf can do that for your family and keep you all pretty tight knit.
1: Well that's, that's amazing that your family is so involved with golf and golf is this sounds like really this connective tissue for all of you to spend time together. So I'm curious to even go back a little farther with your parents. How were they exposed to golf? Because I I speak with a lot of African-Americans and other minorities and underrepresented communities and groups. And there's this term that I certainly didn't come up with. In order to be one, you need to see one and and feel confident that make you feel welcome. So how with your family, your parents and yourself and your sister early on, how did you feel welcome to the game or even have that desire to participate in it?
0: Yeah, so where we're situated, you made a, a reference of where we're located in, right on the border of the United States, Algonac, Michigan, and our nation. In the, in the intro, we introduced it as Walpole Island, so we're surrounded by beautiful blue water. But on the other Canadian side, where you come onto the island, uh, right across from there, was, it's no longer there now, but it used to be called the Baldwin Golf and Country Club. We had a golf course not even five minutes drive away. It, it had a practice facility It had nine holes to begin with, and then it moved up to 18 holes. And my parents are both athletes by nature. My mom, good baseball player, good athlete all around. And my father was the same. So if we weren't playing golf, we were playing some sort of sport. So that's really how they got involved. They were always active. They always wanted to try something new and try something different. So actually, a lot of people from Walpole Island were playing the game. They were taking it up. My parents were probably one of the first ones. So we would have a league on every Tuesday night for our nation. So every Tuesday night we would have at least 30 golfers come out and we would play nine holes for league and then have a cheeseburger and a pop after. And we would go through the skins and the pins and it was a really good outing. And we still try and do that. We just do it at different courses, but they took a liking to it, my parents, and then they were teaching us how to play it. My mom, her athletic ability, she was playing right-handed and then hurt herself in baseball. So she switched to left-handed in golf and was actually shooting par both hands. So
1: and wow. i that mean, let you
0: know what kind of uh, athlete she is and, and she was when she was in her prime. And she could switch over to left-handed and still shoot 38, 39. And she did that because of her wrist. So she switched it over. And my father's the same way. He, he always keeps a left-handed club in his bag just in case he, he hits a errand shot. It's kind of funny. And people walk up to him and say, why do you got a left-handed? Just in case I have to, to swing on the left side of something. So it's pretty funny that he does keep that in his golf bag to this day.
1: Wow, it sounds like you were the recipient and your sister of a very strong genetic lottery gene pool on both sides there as far as uh, the athlete side goes. So so this sounds like it sets you up very nicely to be a PGA teaching professional, to be someone that actually works within sports at the level you are. So let's talk about that. How did you go from being a kid eating cheeseburgers after playing nine holes, which sounds like you still like to do, which sounds fantastic. It's making me hungry right now. Tell us about the next step of your journey then, Steve, of how did you then become I believe at 22 years old become a golf professional what opportunities who opened some doors for you and helped that to happen
0: to get to that point well playing in a results driven type of atmosphere so my very first golf tournament was when I was 13 years old and I was new to this provincial stuff and my father really pushed me to play in golf tournaments and he says you're very talented son why don't you go out and play in tournaments he was playing in tournaments and he was winning tournaments and he was shooting 72 to 74 and Honestly, at that time, those are the scores I was shooting when I was 13. I fired the odd 67, and they are like, you're 13 years old. How come you're not playing in the Ontario Bantam Championship? Like, I don't even know what that means. Like, what is that? I had no clue. I was doing quite well in just junior events. You know, I was shooting 75s and 74s when I was 13. And there was a couple community members that were from non-Indigenous, uh, just outside the community, and they said, you know what, my son's looking at going to school, and think he was around 16 or 17 but they introduced me to this ping college golf guide and I didn't think anything of it nor did I even think about tournaments but then I started to get into these Ontario championships and I was in a local junior tour called the Tyson tour in London Ontario and was able to win as a juvenile so I'm now past Bantam I'm playing quite well in juvenile and junior golf and it was just kind of the next step you know I was playing in junior events every other day so one day here two days somewhere else and my parents they were right beside me every time so london ontario is about an hour and a half away from walpole island if i had a tee off at seven thirty, we were up at four thirty to 5 o'clock to get there on time in order to hit golf balls be ready for my tee time so they were right beside me watching and we did that for my sister but that's what really led up to a lot of different events I was able to make Team Ontario as a junior. We won a cup together for Team Ontario at the RCGA Canadian Junior Championships. So I had a really good team around me. They were quite well, Derek Gillespie, John Drury, some of the guys that went out on tour. So I kind of was watching what they were doing and how they were playing. I was shooting the same scores, but they were talking about going to college and university. We all went our separate ways after junior golf and for me, I could see how talented a lot of these players were. I was playing beside some of the most talented golfers around, David Hearn, who's still on, out on tour. Yeah. So, I mean, I was watching all of them play. For me, I wanted to be someone who laid the groundwork for people to succeed. To me, that was the most important thing that I could do. You know, I was out getting these opportunities and playing at beautiful golf courses all over Canada and North America, but I wanted other people to have that opportunity. Whether it was indigenous or non indigenous. And then my sister turned professional. So I got to see a lot of things behind the scenes when it came to management and the sports avenue. So I was learning a lot about managing, learning all about getting people involved and having them reach out to me, you know, for sponsorships and, you know, how can we help? And I'm like, Here's a tremendous opportunity for me to go out and utilize golf as a means to go and help others. And that was the door for me. And that was the avenue that I chose. And I really wanted to see other people succeed. And one thing that I wanted to do, Colin, was to really educate people. Because I always heard, oh, out on the reservation, what's it like? I said, it's no different than where you live in, in your city. The only thing that I think is different is you have more cement than I do on mine. <laughs> right. My, my all trees and natural water and beautiful so they had this preconceived thought of what it was like living on a the reservation. They thought we didn't have much or we're surrounded by beautiful blue water. We have the best location in Southern Ontario. That's just my thought process. But when it came to opportunity, I wanted people to really understand that the game of golf, it doesn't think you're rich or you're poor. It doesn't talk about poverty. People bring that in, into the mix. They think about it as, Oh, money or opportunity for me. I've always had tremendous opportunities because my parents are both leaders and now I have a wonderful family, a beautiful wife and family around me that gives me that opportunity to go and do what I do because I love helping other people and I always want to see them succeed. So when I went down that avenue and and honestly, Colin, you've seen it at the golf shows and down in Orlando, just how talented these guys are today. Like I mean, they are so talented. It's just amazing where they hit the golf ball today, how they see the golf game. The fitness that they put their bodies through, I mean, it's just pretty unreal. But they are truly professional when it comes to laying things out and getting it ready to go. And now everything today, it seems like everybody can hit a 340 yard drive out on the tour. That's pretty common, which is pretty wild. But it really comes down to the mental stability that you have when you're out on tour. And you got to have a lot of sponsors and people that are supporting you. So that part hasn't changed. So working with Jesse, who you've seen on the cover of Score Golf, he's one of the most phenomenal golfers that I know, who's Mohawk. And there are more than a handful of golfers out there that are First Nations and or Native American that are doing the same thing. We just don't hear about them. And golf is like that because it's results driven. You really hear about the results and don't hear about behind the scenes things and i'm a behind the scenes guy unless someone reaches out and says hey you want to do a podcast being on the front cover of score golf that's beautiful in the sense that when score golf reached out to me they said we need to start focusing on and i said do you think it's 2022 and we're having this conversation and jason was very very impressive in how he laid it out he said steve i totally understand it. i get what you're saying And I said, uh, yeah, I would like to see some changes. And we have the opportunity through podcasts, through media to really share the stories, but not just to share the stories about results. That's great and all, but what are people doing collectively in partnerships to really change the landscape of the golf course? What are we talking about? Are we talking about the same person who wins golf tournaments? Good for them. But are we doing something to help the other people get into the game of golf and teach them how to play? Because honestly maybe one point, I don't know what percentage it would be, but even in the world, only 3% to 5% are going to make it on that tour. Yeah. So then you have another 85% who are going to work in the industry. And that 85% is just a tremendous opportunity to make some changes and some strides in the game of golf, not only for First Nations, but the game of golf itself, because this isn't just a one person game. This game that we play of golf, through media, through everything else, is really a team and also a country thing for us being in Canada. How can we we change the dynamics of seeing these things? And I've stated my case in a lot of different things, Colin, that I would really like to see happen across not only Canada but even in our own organizations that are First Nations. So I'll say what I need to say, and that's how I lay it out. I don't sugarcoat it, Colin. I just don't because I've been doing this now for a long, long time, and when I hear words. I ask them about their actions. Right. You talk about shooting birdies all the time, but let me see the scorecard. So when (laughs) I see the scorecard, see if that's what you're doing. If that's what you say you're doing, let me see it.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'll be honest, I don't know where to go next because there's so many things I do want to touch on here, but what you've set up here with your journey as a youth and playing competitive golf, it certainly tells me that it's informed all the work that you're doing now with youth, with First Nations kids through golf, so I do want to touch on that. But I want to ask you this, Steve. When you were growing up and you had all these great opportunities in Southern Ontario, and if you said you're mid-40s now, so if my math is correct, this was late 1980s, early 1990s, that, that was kind of that zone you were playing in there. Did you find it difficult? Did you find any overt discrimination or difficulty or lack of acceptance for you to play? Was that problematic for you as far as indignities or running into any issues on your journey in your teens?
0: I think what I really witnessed was a lot of, I guess, doubt. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I say that, I, you know, they would always say, oh, you're from a First Nations. And I would say, yeah, is there, is there something wrong with that? And they would say, <laughs> no, but they really had no clue. They were like baffled. Where did you learn the, this game? I said, I learned it a lot like you. I picked up a golf club and, and the rest was in Creator. We call God Creator. And I said, it's in Creator's hands. And Creator yes. said, I'm going to give you a talent. If I give you that talent... I don't want you to hold on to that talent, but I want you to be able to share that talent. And you share that talent with everybody, not just one person, not just a hundred people, but a thousand people. And if you go in and do that and share that talent, that talent will expand, but it won't be an expansion where it's all about you. It's about the game and it's about sharing that talent with other people. And so when I would hear people talk about that, I would have that little snicker on my face when I would walk up to the front and collect that first place trophy. And I, and I share that humbly. Would we have the same conversation if I was just mediocre? Probably not. You would probably just say, oh, that's just another guy golfing. He's from a First Nations. But that's the difficult thing about sport. sometimes is that we're always looking at that first place person. And again, we talk about results and we talk about all of these things, but I've got to work with so many people in different industries. Like I organized Teddy Nolan's golf tournament and Teddy Nolan was coach of the year, and mm. he w- he witnessed the same thing. I didn't know you guys learned about hockey, and he talks about that. He was at a level where he was actually coach of the year, and then all of a sudden we don't hear about him. The reason why, and sometimes I think we don't follow up with it, it was like, oh, he's, he's just going to end up doing this or doing that. We have a preconceived thought until it continues to happen and over and over and over again. So when you ask the question, did I see a lot? Absolutely I did, but I never let it bother me. It would bother me when I would leave and yeah, you would think, you know what, do I got to win the next tournament too in order for these guys to really understand? Maybe I do, maybe I don't, but I was always competing and I didn't like a bully. When I would run into somebody who I thought was that, they definitely heard what I had to say. And more times than not, I was always using my words in order to, and not in a bad way, but using those heartfelt words. I remember someone reaching out to me and saying, oh, something about my equipment. And that wasn't not too long ago. I was sponsored by Nike N7, so Nike N7 was and still is a company from Nike, and the N7 stands for the seven generations that we speak about. So when we think about and we do things, Colin, we think about seven generations from now. So you think about your children's children, children's children, and all the way down to seven generations, we're already thinking about that thought process so I had to kindly use my words again to help this gentleman learn about why I was using the equipment. And he says, oh, Nike's not even in the hard goods anymore. I said, no, they're not. But I'm very grateful that I still get to use the Nike equipment because it has now left the industry for three years. And I'm kind of a guy who doesn't like to change his equipment very much, especially if it's working for me. All right. So we kind of went over that conversation too, but... I thought it was kind of interesting, you know, playing in a pro event and the gentleman asked me about my equipment. So I'm thinking, okay, these are the kind of things that you ask in a junior event. Nothing against the person that's saying it, but that lets me know the education that goes on, even at a professional level. So we're talking about professionals who have this preconceived thought of, it doesn't matter what equipment you use, Tiger could go and use any kind of equipment. When you become a professional, it's about how you treat other people and it's about how you treat yourself. Meaning, when you get up, are you ready to go? Are you on time? Are you speaking the words that you said you would? That's called integrity. And are you utilizing those characteristics for the betterment of the community in Canada? So, That's really what the game of golf can do, but it's also the teaching that you learn on the golf course. So I could have said, you know what, threw in a couple bleep words, but I chose not to. And the more I go down that fairway, (laughs) the game gets a lot better when it comes to my mindset. And that lets me know that there is so much work still to do because I did get a lot of questions about the actual score article and they did have a lot of questions on, oh, I, I see you mentioned Canada and that you don't own it. I said, yeah, I don't own it and neither do you. The teaching is about how we go about walking down the path of life, understanding that we have a responsibility and that responsibility is to make someone else's life a little bit better, not only yours, but the people around you. And if we got back to that kind of foundation and that kind of thought process, Canada would be just an amazing place. And it is now, but there are so many things that we need to teach when it comes to, as we speak about golf and First Nations, we have to do a, another redesign of the golf course, so to speak, because there needs to be a lot more people involved that should be involved. I'm grateful to be one of them. I'm just part of the process and I'm grateful because I've reached out to a lot of different organizations and said, you know what, how can I help? And I've walked away from a couple and I have to say, are we still doing this kind of work? Are are we still talking about something that we were talking about 15 years ago? Because if we are, then I'm walking away gracefully. So I've had to walk away gracefully from a couple of things and a couple of events. And, you know, I'm grateful for it because... I think we have to sit in the circle of like-minded people in order for things to change. And if we're sitting in a circle that is only going to create a positive and a negative, it will always come out negative. You can look at the positives, but to be in sync, you really have to have those good thoughts and those good words and that good mind to be sitting in that circle. It's okay to walk away from it if you have to, but always know that there's always a place in that circle. If you go out and you learn that teaching and then you come back, that's what we share in our teachings, Colin. And it's been so far so good for me.
1: I just love the way that you put that. And thank you for sharing that, Steve. You mentioned earlier, the creator has given you a gift and it is your responsibility to share that gift with others. So one example that I'm aware of, I'm sure you have many more one way that you're sharing that gift, my understanding, is organizing this America's Cup Junior event for First Nations youth at Incameep Canyon, which is in Osoyoos with the Osoyoos Indian Band and Chief Clarence Louie. Can you talk to us a bit about that event, what you're creating there? And yeah, just tell us a bit about that, please.
0: So the partnership that I had worked out with CJGA is that I really wanted to see golf events being played within First Nations territories, meaning if they own the golf course or they have access to a golf course, I was really advocating for that. And so CJGA reached out to me and I've played in a couple of events when I was a younger fellow and uh, really took a liking to Earl, the CEO. And I reached out to Earl probably around five years ago and I said, hey, let's do something. So we had the conversation and and then we kind of went our own way and we had the conversation, which was great. It was a great starter, but it took another four years for really us to have a sit down and then come up with some opportunities that would be beneficial to both CJGA and the Indigenous peoples that play golf, who are also junior golfers and or people going to help within the, the event. So we sat back down just earlier in the year and we came up with an opportunity. And those opportunities are, it's actually going to be the America's Junior Cup being played. So you have 15 to 20 teams from all over both the West Coast, Ontario and the United States. And I think Mexico is coming, but these are some of the best junior golfers in the world and they are young ladies. So we selected Incamite Canyon, to be the host. And Dave George, the manager, I reached out to him and I said, I don't know if you know who I am, but my name is Steve Tushkin. He's like, hey, I know who you are, Steve. You know, I read a couple articles and I said, you know what, what I'm trying to do here, Dave, and I see that you have this tremendous golf course. So I laid it out for him. I said, you know what, what we want to do is be able to educate the people coming from far and wide. So in the very first opening ceremony we're going to do a lot of traditional teachings so our opening will be a song and it will be an acknowledgement of the land in the territory mm-hmm. and it will be an acknowledgement from chief louis welcoming people to the territory after the golf is done, then we do a closing. That's the, really the premise of being at the nation and respecting their territory and having the leaders speak. And I've heard Chief Louis speak a handful of times. To me, he really has an understanding of what it means to be a leader, but also a business leader. And for me, I had that understanding that when I look at a, an opportunity, much like the America's Cup, you have some of the best and brightest talent from all over the countries, and they're going to step foot on Incoming Canyon. And they're going to learn about the traditions and they're going to learn about what the people were doing back in the day. Not only the events that are happening now with the beautiful golf course that they do have, but they're going to learn about what it was like 100 years ago to what it is like now. Having that respect for that teaching is the most important thing that we can do. And when I talked about talents and I talked about sharing those things, we also have a duty to share the stories and those stories that our elders teach us are really a lot about respect and respecting the territory. Mm-hmm. So we have tremendous respect for Dave, his team, the golf course, chief Louie, his nation, his people, and the people that are going to be visiting. So this is a tremendous opportunity to not only break bread, but have an understanding of what it's like to just sit in the same circle We want to see these young girls succeed. There is no doubt about that, but we also want to see people have an understanding and a respect for the territory because I think that's where we can really sit down and have that respectful conversation when you come into a territory that you have respect for it.
1: Wow. Well, I'm not that far away from Incomeep. I've had the pleasure of staying on the property there at the resort and playing the golf course also and enjoying the winery. And I will say, Team Louie has done an amazing job with all the First Nations people there to build sustaining businesses that support themselves. And they've done a fantastic job of that. I know that's my understanding has been a model used all across North America, all across Turtle Island from other First Nations communities to build upon, to use that as a template. So I wanted to ask you this. You're always looking through the lens of how will this impact and inform what the next seven generations do. So I love that sustainable long-term mentality, which, of course, as myself, as a middle-aged Caucasian male in a, a settler mindset, unfortunately, we do not embrace that and we're starting to embrace that more and seeing the value of that. I don't know if you can put this together, but how can you mesh those between where golf is and where the opportunity is over the next generations for golf to have even more of an impact to be this platform for good to help bring us together
0: yeah colin i think the opportunity that we have right now is to have an understanding of The importance in what we do in life collectively. So now we have allies within our communities, not only in business communities, but we're now talking about changing policy and procedures on what happens with governance models to include First Nations. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things that are taking place are happening because I guess we'll call them organizations that what used to be are no longer. They're trying to change the mindset and change the way things are happening in the world. And they're doing it by changing how many board members can be on, allowing First Nations board members to share in some of the opportunities. So you're seeing a big change in business. You're seeing partnerships. And we have no problems with partnerships. We're very big into partnerships that are going to be sustainable and workable for both anytime you get in a partnership. You have to really have that trust and reliability on what you're going to do. And I've had tremendous partners, not only in doing podcasts like this, and also reaching out to different people in the community because they're the ones that are the sounding board they're the ones that are saying oh did you see what's going on for me I'm glad to see a lot of things that are happening in the golf community but it needs to happen all across Canada not only in the golf community but in business community and tourism community and opportunities are endless when it comes to partnerships and again we don't think of it as this is all of ours and we're going to take We've never had that thought process, and I'm not saying anything to the people that have that kind of mindset. All I'm saying is that when we come and see something and we want to see it succeed, we know by opening up that circle that those people that are supposed to be sitting in that circle will come and sit down. They may just listen for a little while, and they may just say, hey, you know what? I feel a little awkward sitting here, and that's okay. We've been sitting like that for the last 150 years. So, we've been sitting and we've been watching and we've been paying very close attention to the people who we can trust. And when we trust them, we put tremendous value in their words, but also their actions. That's what I said in the beginning of the podcast. You can talk about that scorecard all you want, but if you change the thought process and how you put that score down, then we see that. That's what golf can teach us. It teaches us about integrity. It teaches us when you do sit in that circle, you're responsible for the words that you share. So, when we lift up that eagle feather, when we're sitting, in our circle that eagle feather lets us know your words that you're sharing are coming from your heart and when you share those words you're sharing them because that's what's on your heart that's what you feel and when you share that we feel that too in the circle so when you say, hey, I want to reach out to these different people in this community, by all means, please come and sit down. But there'll be a time when you have to share your words, and share them in a good way. You'll, yeah. you'll Things will come up, and they'll well up. They'll just say, hey, you know what, where did that come from? It was always there. It just needed time. And that's why we say we take our time. We take our time in the words that we share, and the words that we, we want to share with other people. So those are the things that are happening. Believe it or not, that's what's happening right now, Colin. That's why you see a lot of things happening within the Indigenous and non-Indigenous. They're starting to have the conversation
1: and it's a conversation and it's a good one uh, yes it is and and i'm hoping what we're providing here today steve is a few more words as part of that conversation even though it's just you and i uh, two points doesn't make a circle but hopefully we can consider even what we're doing having a conversation here and and myself listening and learning and there's just so much that i still need to learn myself through the lens of myself growing up as a suburban white kid just outside of Toronto and quite a bit of a smugness looking down at the States and looking at the US and saying, well, you've got this shameful legacy of slavery and myself not even knowing this even until just a few years ago, just through now with truth and reconciliation here in Canada, most of our American listeners won't quite know what we're talking about. So maybe it's a good time to enlighten them also. But myself looking at this and not understanding the shameful legacy of residential schools and understanding the shameful implications of what's gone on with murdered and missing indigenous women and, and girls and sure we're getting outside of the expanse of golf but it all ties together with our culture and our coexistence and how we can make this better and I know we can spend hours talking about what has happened how we can heal and how we can make that better but perhaps i can leave that to you to put it much more succinctly than I've kind of stumbled over here to get your thoughts on how golf can be this catalyst to heal and bring us together as we move forward with future generations.
0: Yeah, I think the the most important thing that we can do collectively is continue to have that conversation. And sometimes it will be difficult to say, sometimes it will be really difficult to hear. And again, it's really about understanding Can you have that empathy to look at someone and say, you know what, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I feel that and I know what it feels like in that sense of the word. So I have to have that conversation, too, with my non-Indigenous friends, because I'm not sure what it would be like to have some of the information come out and just sit there and not want to ask even Steve a question. Steve, you know what? What's it like to have to go through certain things like that? Much like you're asking, Colin. And I get these questions. That's why I phrased it like that. Yeah. I said, you know what? I thank you for even asking me that because more times than not, I basically hear crickets. I've shared on my Facebook. I've shared on podcasts and I've shared in different areas is that eventually we are going to have to speak about it. And we hear it, meaning First Nations, I hear it a lot. I hear it in the context of if it's not good so i'll give you an instance on where where i'm going with this so when i hear about and i don't want to get into the politics of everything but when i hear about different energy companies going through first nations i hear well how come they're stopping that or how come they're doing this or how come they're doing that and i just say you know what let's just hold on for one second canada is made up of this big territory huge massive area and we have first nations which had been pieced out because of the farmland, because it had to go to the farmers. It was written in the governance back in the day through Ottawa that the best farmers would have access to the best crops. Yes. So they would reach out to the First Nations people and say, well, here's this for your time. Good luck on your First Nation. It just so happens that they put us, well, most of us First Nations people, they put us in some of the most beautiful places on earth. Not everyone, but for the most part. So we had access to the water, we had access to the fish, we had access to all of these things. So what I'm getting at, Colin, is that when they put it in the context of how come you're doing that, they're really saying is, how come you're doing that to me? And that's what I hear. So when I hear something like what's said like that, I'm thinking, what if I had that conversation? What if I said murdered and missing indigenous women? What if I talked about... All of these things that are happening within pipelines. What if I talked about all of these things that are about the economy? I don't, I don't speak of those things. I speak of how do I make it a little bit better for my community to actually play sports, to talk about wellness, to talk about all of these things, the things that really matter because to me, it's great to have cash flow. That's awesome. You can do a lot of things with cash and you can do a lot of things with business. But when people don't want to work collectively together, that's where you have the divide. And I've never seen so much divide in my life as I have in the last two years. One, because of COVID. But two, we became a nation that was all about telling everybody how we think and feel and forgot about, hey, what about what other people think and feel? Yeah. In the sense that we all come from the same country. Me, I'm Turtle Island, so I'm North American. So I'm thinking about my cousins over in the United States. But I'm also thinking of my family here in Canada as well. So I think about my family, North American wide, and I think about how can I make their lives a little bit better. It's never an individual thing. There are things that happen in life. There could be things that bother my family for sure. And then I would have to speak up. But when it comes to the whole, we always think about those brothers and sisters that are going through these tough times that had to go through residential school. My parents had to go These intergenerational traumas from that. We didn't get to learn our language Ojibwe because they were told not to speak their language. My grandmother and my grandfather who actually fought in the war. So, I mean, he fought for the country and he wasn't able to speak his language. So now I'm starting to pick up bits and pieces of the Ojibwe language. I didn't introduce myself today in my language, but more times than not, when I go and speak, I do acknowledge the territory. And I also acknowledge where I come from and my home in a traditional way. So those are the small things that are happening when it comes to the context of how we see things in the sports world is starting to change too. And when I talk about these different areas of focus, They're always with us. So when I talked about the energy and I talked about people talking about golf and how we fit into the realms, we're put under one umbrella and that's how we're seen. Okay, something's happening over here. Steve, what's going on over there? I have no clue. I don't live on the West Coast. I don't know what's going on the West Coast. But you're connected to all these people. I said, I know, but I, I live here in Southern Ontario. So maybe you should ask someone from that particular nation on how they feel because it's going right through their territory or something's happening in their community or they lost a family member in their territory. I think they're the ones that need to answer that question. But you're, you're asking a question in order to get an answer that you want to hear, not an answer that I'm going to give. So yes. I think that's important is that if you're going to ask a question, just be open to the possibilities of that. I might not agree with what you're saying. But collectively, we can go through life and understand that, hey, you don't need to hate me for it. And likewise, I don't need to be pissed off at you for the rest of your life in order to have a conversation. And I think that's where we need to start uh, reconnecting again because uh, we've had a pretty good divide in the last two years.
1: Yeah, we certainly have. And anything we can do to heal and bring ourselves together through, as you stated so eloquently there, Steve, through collective conversation and understanding and empathy, we will all be better for it. So I I want to leave you with with this final question, which is an open-ended one. Is there anything here that I didn't ask you that you'd like to elaborate on or touch on? Is there anything else that you'd like to leave us with here as we finish up today?
0: Well, I think it's important that we have the conversation. Again, you're getting a thought process from someone who's really been an advocate for helping other people there are times when I have to go out and say certain things to certain organizations and or people and I share it because it's on my heart to share. I learned a lot from the elders and if I don't say anything, that's not a very good thing when it comes to how we see the world. Mm-hmm. And one of my elders had taught me that. I said, what do you mean when you don't say anything? Well, if you just go and let people be foolish, then they're going to be foolish. But if you go out and you speak to them and you say, you know what, I think we should make some changes That means you actually genuinely care about what's going to happen next. And that stayed with me and has stayed with me for a long, long time. But I also understand that when we use our words, we're to use them at a certain time in a certain place. And when we share those words, they need to be shared properly. They need to be with fully respecting that other person, not necessarily saying, well, didn't you know that? I don't expect everybody to understand the Ojibwe. I don't expect everybody to understand the Potawatomi people but i do ask that when we have a conversation that we respectfully understand one another and listen to each other's words and then we, we can have a further discussion on where we want to go with our conversation so i think when we have that kind of respect it's reciprocal it comes back full circle it always comes back to the circle and it always comes back stronger than it was and i think that's what i want to share with the people that are listening to this podcast you have the ability to use your words to make this world not only the golf world a better place, but the better place around you. So use your words, but use them only when you feel like it's necessary to make changes in this world because you actually care. And if you care that much, make sure you share your words all the time because we're not here for a long time, but we are here to make a difference in people's lives. And if we do that, we will have done what we've been called to do, and that's to share our talents and our abilities. And if we voice them, people will hear our voice and it will reverberate out throughout the country. Because we're Anishinaabe, we're First Nations people, everything that we do when we walk, we walk and we understand that the Earth is telling us something. Mother Earth always tells us there's going to be a shift and that shift is happening. And when you say, hey, I want to ask that question or I want to hear more from you, that's the shift that Mother Earth feels. She understands that. She wants you to ask those questions. She wants you to say, hey, you know what? Things are changing and they're changing for the good. So we feel that today. We understand that. That's why you see the different things that are happening, Colin. I mean, it's starting to change. We're starting to see that pin on the left side. and We got that little slight draw right to left, and we could see it going towards that pin. And that's the visual I want to see. That's a good
1: visual. I like the fact you finished up with a golf metaphor there. You just brought yes. it all, all together there, Steve. That all was really one nice. shot, little draw. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, Steve, before we leave here, could you share with our listeners how they could learn more about you and about the really impactful, thoughtful work you're doing as an inspired speaker, both in and beyond the golf industry?
0: Well, you can reach out to me via my website at Stephen Tushkinig, So it's Stephen with a P-H-S-T-E-P-H-E-N Tushkinig.com. You can reach out to me there if you're looking to partner up and do anything in the, the media world or podcasts or anything like that. If I'm not the guy, I can reach out to any any of the golfers in the First Nations realm and reach out to them if you want to talk about different golf stories or what's happening in the areas, and I'll definitely reach out to different people. And that's across North America. That's just not Canada. It's actually North America. So our our footprint is North American-wide, and we're really trying to, I guess, just partner up with different people and, and have them reach out and just say hello and bonjour. Hello, how are you? So that's all we ask and if there's something that we can do, maybe a game of golf or if I'm in your territory, I'll definitely come and say hello and talk about game of golf and how we can make changes. So thanks for that,
1: Colin absolutely wonderful so as i always do steve in the show notes for your episode i will include the links and your contact information so it's nice and easy for our listeners to get a hold of you and also on the bio page that we'll create for you we'll have that information there also and hey i'm going to be in southern ontario because i grew up in outside of toronto so i'm going to be there for a wedding in may and i have a few days i'm going to be heading to london to play some golf Hey, maybe we should get together. If you can tolerate my 16 handicaps, Steve, perhaps we can <laughs> get together and swing a club together. If you're free with your hectic schedule, I would enjoy that if you're up for it. I'll, I'll always make time. Absolutely. Wonderful. Wonderful. So with that, Steve Tushkenig, who is a member of the Walpole Island First Nation and a PGA golf professional and inspired speaker. Steve, thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing your truth and inspiring us today on the Modern Golf Podcast
0: on behalf of my elders and my community, I want to say uh, miigwech. Miigwech means thank you. Really, it means thank you and we will see you again down the road, down the path of life. So I wanted to share that with the listeners here today, that if we're going to teach, that we teach it in, the, in a proper fashion. So I wanted to say miigwech to all the listeners today. So that's
1: a wrap for this episode and Season 11 of the Mod Golf Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with CPGA golf professional and inspired First Nations speaker, Steve Tushkenig. If you'd like to learn more about Steve and the impactful work he does to support Indigenous youth through his company ST Golf, visit our episode show page where we've included website links and contact information. We're now going to take a month off or so to develop our next batch of Season 12 episodes and on creating Mod Golf product review videos for our YouTube channel. If you'd like to enter our next Mod Golf giveaway contest, check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel for your chance to win. I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor partners, Golf Genius Software and British Columbia Golf for helping make the Mod Golf podcast happen. Without their support, I wouldn't be able to bring you these engaging stories from golf's brightest innovators and influencers. Our friends at Golf Genius Software have added a new digital scorecard option to their live scoring capabilities of its tournament management platform. So if you're a golf course owner or operator, I suggest you check out golfgenius.com to find out how they can reduce your workload, help you have more fun, and generate more revenue. If you enjoyed this conversation about entrepreneurship in the golf industry, you can find more compelling episodes at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen in. I'm your host, Colin Weston. Thanks very much for joining me. Bye for now.